Well, welcome back to the Legend of Zelda Lorecast. I'm your host, Aaron. And joining me, as always, is our lovely fellow host, Ariel. Hello. <laughs> so, I'm pretty excited today. We're closing out the Skyward Sword series. And we boo. will... Boo. I know. it's. I'm excited because we get to move on to the rest. It's sad because we're we're done with the Skyward Sword but it will be coming back up repeatedly when we discuss things way more in depth later on. Remember, this show, we're going periodically through the games first so we can get like the story and then we can do the deep, deep dives because there is a lot of hidden lore when it comes to the Legend of Zelda franchise. No. No. So today we're going to be talking about those oh so wonderful lovely little items that you find in your inventory and you're like oh man i wish i had this 20 seconds ago yeah we're gonna yeah. talk about those that's how it always works oh my gosh yes the when i was in the Lanayru mining facility i was like what are these piles of sand what are they, why are these everywhere gus bellows <laughs> <laughs> as soon as i got it i was like are you serious <laughs> so we're going to start off our lovely little list of items with none other than the first major item we get, the beetle. So we're going to go this, this, the beetle has several different forms. So the first form we have is the beetle. Okay. It's basic. It's, it's pretty slow. <clears throat> it can run into items and grab them for you. It's, it's pretty basic. Then we get our hook beetle. Now, our hook beetle, it allows us to pick up items and drop them. So now we can float around, we can fly around, we can grab the bombs, drop them on enemies, you know. Then we go in and we have to now upgrade into the quick beetle. And when you upgrade to the quick beetle, it just makes it that much faster. You can spin around really quickly now. You can fly with quite a bit of speed and distance with the quick beetle and then we move to our final form of the beetle which is the tough beetle which gives it that much more resistance from when it gets hit by an enemy or you run into a wall or something of those natures gives it that much more resistance it also allows it to fly more distant from link himself so a couple gee whiz facts about the beetle but goblins are actually afraid of the beetle and will run away from it Archibald Goblins will attempt to shoot it at first sight. During the development of Skyward Sword, a rocket punch was proposed for grabbing items instead of the beetle. But the beetle was what the rocket punch actually ended up developing into because they're like, yeah, it's kind of, it's not really immersive to be able to punch with rockets. <laughs> um, I beg to differ. <laughs> It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Um... And the last thing is the beetle cannot be used during the horde battle, which I can attest to this. Uh, and I never could figure out exactly why that was. Um, I, uh, my only presumption is because they didn't want to make that battle, you know, too easy for you. But, uh, but yeah, that's all we've got for the, <clears throat> but yeah, that's all we have for the beetle. Not too much on this item. Uh, the G Wiz info is pretty cool. I did notice the first time I used it, the Bacoblins were running away, and I was like, I like that. I like that. Some strange device they've never seen before flying over their head. So the next item we have to talk about is the bow. Now, the bow is pretty basic. It's a bow and it's an arrow. I mean, it's pretty basic. But there's some very interesting lure implications behind this particular bow. So what we have is we have the bow, in its first phase, and it can shoot and deal a little bit of damage. The second phase, when we upgrade it, it upgrades to the Iron Bow. And in the Iron Bow, you get a little bit more distance and a little bit more damage. 
The final form is the Sacred Bow. And in this form, it deals quite a bit of damage to basic enemies and can be shot quite a distance. So the interesting thing about the bow in this series, however, is the original form it was in bears an awfully similar resemblance to the hero's bow. And we're going we're gonna to talk ahead a little bit on these interesting little facts. So the bow has been used throughout the series, and it has been commonly referred to as the hero's bow. The, the design between each bow has varied just slightly throughout the Legend of Zelda series, but it's pretty much always been the hero's bow. Even if it hasn't been called that, it does. they all pretty much share this very same striking resemblance. It isn't until we get to Twilight Princess that a particular character known as Dangoro mentions that the hero's bow is said to have belonged to a hero from the past. That we actually get some references here. Now, we know, and we're going to get into this when we get into Twilight Princess, but we know the hero that it's referencing is the Hero of Time. But the Hero of Time's bow does bear a very striking resemblance to the original bow used by none other than the very first Link in the timeline. So it's safe to assume that this bow has been passed down from Link to Link, much like the Master Sword, which would make this one particular bow that we utilize throughout the series very, very old. Could you imagine what that bow's been through? Yeah, you can, because you play all the games. <laughs> I'm just I'm just thinking to myself, I was like, you know, the amount of the dry rot that would happen to that bow and <laughs> Magic. Magic. So that is that is pretty much the really the just of the bow. We could go further in depth in analyzing it, and we will eventually when we've talked about it in all the games, but I don't want us to get too far ahead of ourselves because a lot of these games do intertwine, and like I said, we want to go over basic information right now. So we're going to move on to my personal favorite, the bug net. So the bug net you get from Beetle. Now, this is one of the items that you can actually purchase Whereas the other items you acquire through, you know, dungeons or tasks and then upgrade through the upgrade shops. This is a particular item that you can you actually could completely bypass, completely miss it. But you get it from Beetle's Air Shop for 50 rupees and it's used to catch bugs. <laughs> but it's also used to catch other things, too, like fairies. So... The upgraded version is the big bug net, which doubles the size of the net. So it doesn't actually do anything except for make it a lot harder for things to get away from you when you're trying to catch it. So we've already gone over what we can use this for in the final boss battle. So that's kind of our little, you know, chi whiz info for this item. However, there is something I want to mention with the bug net. With playing it on the Wii compared to playing it on the Switch, I honestly have to say I'm glad I got the chance to play it on the Switch again to truly appreciate the game for what it is. Because using the Wiimote to try to catch bugs with this net or catch anything like tumbleweeds, fairies, you know, whatever, was the most infuriating thing. And I looked the most ridiculous in the living room, just flinging my arm up and down like a maniac. I thought you looked hilarious. So I'm glad that I got a chance to play it on the Switch. My main complaint with this is it's very stiff when using the bug net. I've, I've noticed that it's very stiff, you know, like kind of just bends up and down and he might go side to side a little bit, but it's very stiff action. And I get that that was done for the sake of the, you know, switch the Wiimote controls. But it did make it quite difficult to judge the gap in the beginning to where I'm supposed to swing to catch said thing and it was very frustrating and honestly my first playthrough I didn't even mess with the bugs because I was like you know what I'm not dealing with this <laughs> but so that is our bug net so the next item we got to talk about 
is my personal favorite item, the claw shot. And it's going to come up a couple more times as we talk about the games in the future. But and it's gone through a lot of changes throughout the years. It first off, when it was first introduced, it was basically just an arrowhead like design with a chain attached to it that would launch out of this handheld device. Now it's evolved into two hook shots with claws, which makes it useful for multiple purposes, not just grappling things, but you can also use it to stun enemies. I mean, you could always use that, but it does a little damage now. So yeah, it's a multi-tool. So you get this item after completing uh, Nehru's Silent Realm, and you can you can go through a few more things and obtain it. And it is used to latch onto targets and to stun enemies. The usuals. However, it bears a striking resemblance. These claw shots bear a very striking resemblance to the ones we see in Twilight Princess. So it's safe to assume that these might be the same and or similarly designed when we get to Twilight Princess. Which would be an interesting little thing to dive into of the items you receive in Twilight Princess compared to the Hero of Time versus the first hero. And I'm definitely going to dive into that. Yeah, that sounds like fun. (laughs) But yes, they do share a very striking resemblance to the Twilight Princess claw shots. And that's about all we have for the claw shots. Uh, like I said, a lot of these items are going to be quickly breezed through because they're they're basic. You know, they're it, they're pretty well versed in the Legend of Zelda series, and we all understand them. So there's no point in spending a whole lot of time on them until it's time to get into some deep lore dives. The next items we have are the digging mitts and the magma mitts. So the digging mitts are utilized in the Skyward Sword to dig holes initially you dig holes or you can dig into the ground and actually use underground tunnels and so the digging mitts are eventually upgraded into the magma mitts and the difference between the magma mitts and the digging mitts is whereas the digging mitts can dig through soft patches of sand like we discussed earlier the Magma mitts can actually break through rock. So it's a very upgraded version of the original to the point where we can actually go through hardened rock now like our little friends. The the I like to refer to them lovingly as the mole men. <laughs> so the next item on our list is the fire shield earrings. You get these earrings after completing Den's test in the Silent Realm. And basically what they're there for is what our fire tunic and the other parts of the series has been used for. Protecting us from fire or heat damage. And that's pretty much it. (laughs) There's nothing fancy behind it. Um, What I will say is, is that it is... The reason we didn't get too many tunics in this game was for canon reasons. Because if you look at the knights in the Knights Academy as they're flying around, um, I purposely actually jumped off of the plateaus without summoning my Skyloft to see different colored knights in their armors. And you do get a chance to see green, blue, and red tunics. So for the purpose of not having to make things confusing, the earrings were utilized in place of the fire tunics. You also have to think that the fire tunics that we get in the other games are given to us from other races. In this game in the series, we are just getting introduced to these other races. And yes, some of them do give us gifts, such as the magma mitts and, you know, the digging mitts and things like that. But for the most part, they are apprehensive to trust humans or human-like creatures because of what's happened in the past. Because you got to keep in mind during this whole game, we we haven't existed on the actual planet. We've been living in the sky for generations. 
And for us to come down out of nowhere and have this kind of innocence about us, other races are kind of leery to trust us. So this was a gift from the gods. <laughs> so with that being said, we're going to move on to our next item, which is the Gus Bellows. They're my personal favorite. It's the vacuum in a bottle. You said that about like three other ones. I know. But in this game in particular, Hookshot is my personal favorite item for the entire series. In this game in particular, though, Gus Bellows takes it. It is personal. It is great. It is great. So I always lovingly refer to it as the vacuum cleaner, but it's more of a leaf blower. <laughs> so basically, you'll get this item after completing certain things in the Lanayru mining facility. And it's utilized for a multitude of purposes. Not only is it used to, you know, blow dirt away and reveal hidden objects under, you know, dirt and things. But you also get to use it in a side quest for Malara, which is Pippet's mother. It's another side character. And she asks that Link come and basically clean her house. After doing this, you'll get those lovely gratitude crystals that you can utilize to help turn our demon friend back to, you know, into a human. But I did that. You also get some money out of it. So I constantly did it. Like I spammed that mini game to get a ton. Because you get 20 rupee or you, you know, get you get a red rupee, which is worth 20 rupees each time you complete the game. So I was like, yep, I'm going to keep doing this. <laughs> so this isn't the first or this is the first time in the series we're going to see it. But this isn't the last time we're going to see it in the series. It's going to appear a couple more times throughout the series, and it's going to be talked about very soon within the Minish Cap, except its name's going to change. So uh, I'm going to wait until we get to that game to reveal the little trivia because it's the trivia is it's it's very pertinent to the Minish Cap series. So a couple other things I want to talk about before we move on is that and this is a lot this is this is common knowledge for a lot of people but if you haven't played the series or you didn't look too in depth you might have missed that it shares the same art style as the ancient robots and a lot of the technologies and is used in conjunction with a lot of the technologies to take down opponents to trigger different traps mechanisms things like that it is utilized in a way that implies that this was a, almost a daily item for these robots. Almost like a key card for a fancy door. So I can't help but wonder if one of these Lanayuru mining facility robots was just sitting there with a Gus Bellows and people would walk through and be like, I need the door. And then they just blow it open. What better way? <laughs> I mean, it is a very green you know, green energy way to go. Yep. <laughs> so with all that being said, we're going to move on to our next item, which is the sailcloth. So the sailcloth is given to you right from the start of the game and is one of the most used items in this game. And it is because you'll use it to not only slow your fall to the ground, but you'll also use it to glide to platforms that you may not be able to get to with just normal run and jump. You will utilize it to fall gracefully to the earth from the back of your loft wing. There's, there's a multitude of purposes, but one purpose that not really mentioned or you could, you could really go completely over without noticing is the fact that not only does it protect Link from falls, but it has a nice smell too. That is in the item's description. And I always thought that was hilarious. That's odd. It implies that it smells like Zelda, which is really creepy, but it's funny at the same time. That is kind of <laughs> creepy. So, yeah, we will see this come up again in the series. Um, so it's another item that we'll get deeper into when we get there. So for now, we're going to transition to a fan favorite the slingshot and I, I say that lovingly a lot of fans they get the slingshot they use it and then they never use it again once they get their bow 
<laughs> so the slingshot in the Skyward Sword series, uh, you get it from the Kikui Elder, Bucha, and it has one upgrade. It can be upgraded from its regular form to the scattershot, which now it can be charged by holding the A button down and scatter a single Deku seed over a wide area. So basically it turns into a spread fire seed shot. And it is, I'll have to say in this game, the scatter shot was one of the most useful items for me when fighting opponents because you could shoot them, stun them very quickly and get in there for attacks. Whereas I will, I have to give it to the hookshot in this game. It was slow to react and slower to slow opponents. So I, I found myself towards the end of the game using the scatter shot more and more to disable those larger opponents that are harder to take down. So yeah, that pretty much covers our slingshot in this game, but we will be revisiting it again later. Next, we're going to go into a item that I was very surprised that was even in the Legend of Zelda series, but I will say it was it was warmly welcomed. It was a nice little change of items, which is none other than the whip. So you get the whip from the ancient cistern in Skyward Sword. And essentially, a ball of light can be found at the end of this whip, which we're going to talk about in a second. You can hang from poles, you can swing, you can snap vines. You know, this thing has a multitude of purposes. You can even grab things and pull them up and down with it. It is. It is a very versatile tool. You can even use it to stun certain enemies. And you can steal monster horns from red goblins right before they use it. It's it, it has a multitude of usage. And I I will say I used it quite a bit. So the original design, this is where we're going to get into that light ball at the end of the whip. The original design actually had the whip handle adorned with a skull implying that this was some sort of spiritual based weapon. Later on, there was some changes made to the design and we can't, I couldn't find out why those particular changes are made. And I can't help but think it might have been to give it more of that ancient aesthetic vibe that we've come to see out of the other items. The design it has resembles more of a jousting javelin right now, a small miniature jousting javelin with a like weird red and blue kind of whip at the end of it with that ball of light. So with that, all that design, I can't help but think it was like I said, it was originally supposed to be some sort of spiritual based weapon. And there's a lot of theories surrounding the whip that we'll get into later when we start talking about spirit tracks because it comes back in spirit tracks. So like I said, a lot of these weapons that we see in Skyward Sword make a return in other games throughout time. So that is all we have for the whip. The last item that we want to talk about is the water dragon scale. And I'm not going to go too in depth with this one because it's, another, you know, kind of earring situation. It was a scale that was given to us that allows us the ability to dive underwater, to stay underwater, and, you know, to do our corkscrew moves and things underwater. It was another item drafted into this game to avoid the usage of a tunic. Because, you know, as we know, in a lot of games, we get the Zora tunic or the blue tunic to be able to go underwater or do things within the water. Or you also get the scale. You know, you get the silver scale or there's different multitude of items that have been given to us throughout the course of the Legend of Zelda series to allow us to be able to be in the water. And this is just another one of those items that's makes it more immersive and not having to try to find a race to gift you a 
tunic to do this or find a race to gift you a scale. It is a gift from the goddess. So, that being said, I think it's time for a mid-break. And when we come back, we'll talk about shields, swords, and our goodie bags. So here we are in the middle of the show. Woo-hoo. So the first thing I'm going to bring up is we are finalizing the last t-shirt design for Patreon and then the Patreon should be up. That being said, so I would also be remiss if I did not mention right now the wonderful people at... STL Ocarina. (laughs) No, they honestly, they are a fantastic, fantastic company. The other day I saw, I I had to share it because I saw that one of their fans reached out and talked about the quality of the product and everything else and tagged them. And they, they did something in a lot of companies. I, I don't see a lot of companies doing and they responded and they were very appreciative. And that is why I love this company because the customer service you get here is completely different than anywhere else that I've experienced. You know, I've had problems with stuff coming in that I've got shipped. that has been broken and it's been a, a headache to deal with, you know, and it's not the company's fault. It's the shipping. But, you know, all that being said, it's completely taken away from STL Ocarina. You know, STL is like on it. They're like, we got you. Don't even worry. <laughs> and the stuff is so beautiful. So here's where I chime in (laughs) with the, if you want or need an ocarina, which we all need one, it's not even a want, it's a necessity, head on over to STL Ocarina, use our promo code LOZLORE10 and get 10% off your purchase. Yes. Because who doesn't like saving money? Uh, Yeah. And uh, I think I'm actually going to go and order your ocarina tonight (laughs) so uh, we've got the money i'm gonna order it (laughs) listeners if when let's say when i get it and i learn some songs i'm gonna do a special little episode where i play some legend of zelda songs now keep in mind this might be a little bit let me actually learn how to play it first (laughs) and play it well don't want to Make your eardrums bleed. So, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I will. I mean, they do come. They do come with that handy little, little teach you how to play ocarina book. Exactly. That's why I want that and learn to play some songs on it, and I'll put on my own little personal concert. <laughs> so let's move on to some other merch, shall we? Yeah, because who doesn't love merch? <laughs> so, what did you bring for us today, Ariel? So, since you saved some money by purchasing your ocarina at 10% (laughs) off, why not blow that money on some super awesome red, green, and blue potions inspired by the Legend of Zelda video games? Oh my god, I love these things. Uh, Yeah, they're pretty, pretty awesome. Now, this comes to us from Etsy. And it's from Super Game Pop. And they have the three potions. Medicine of Magic, Medicine of Life, and the Medicine of Life and Magic. Replica potions. And they are so awesome. So the Medicine of Magic is green. Mm Mm-hmm. And it comes with a little charm on it from Majora's Mask. It's super cute. It is, if I remember, if I'm looking at it right, it is the mask from Majora's Mask. Uh-huh. Oh! And then it. the medicine of life is red, which is my favorite color. And the little charm that it comes with is the heart vial. Oh, so fitting. I love this already. They they, they really did their research on this one. <laughs> I know. And then the medicine of life and magic is blue, and it comes with a little Triforce charm on it. Ooh. Super adorable. These are pretty legit. So if you're wanting these, the price of one is $21.99. That's a reasonable price too for the amount of work that somebody's got to put into that wing with those charms and the labeling. And then it looks like, is it wax sealed? Yes, it is. Yeah, it's really well done. Really, with some really good craftsmanship. I, I'd be okay with paying $21 a bottle. Yeah, so it's roughly... 
roughly $66 to get the set of three, mm. but still a really awesome price for oh, yeah. really awesome merch. Oh, yeah. And that's mine. I'll post the link in the show notes. Of course. <laughs> so I'm going to go with some bad news first, and then I've got some good news for some merch. Always with the bad news. Uh, we got to leave off on a good note. So the bad news is, and if, um, if you're, you're an active LOZ fan, I mean, surely you are because you're listening to this. You already know, but it's it goes without saying that it's all over the internet right now that Breath of the Wild 2 has been delayed to spring of 2023. And though I am disappointed and I am hurt, I also understand because lately we've had a lot of video game companies coming out. They're releasing games. They have to have patch after patch after patch because they just released it too quickly. And we get frustrated with it and it loses its momentum really quick. So though I am heartbroken that it will not be out this year and I didn't want to admit it to myself, but I anticipated this happening. I am also thankful that the Legend of Zelda team decided that it best to produce a product right off the word shoot that was not only acceptable but amazing so though I'm heartbroken I appreciate you thinking of us as fans and wanting to release a good product yeah I understand that I just wish instead of getting our hopes up that they just fixed the problems to begin with and then came out with the release date Mm. so you know but yeah it's me being selfish it's okay but I do have a good news you ready for some awesome merch um I'm always ready for some (laughs) awesome merch (laughs) so this comes to us from gearhumans.com and right now if you go to gearhumans.com you can get the Legend of Zelda cosplay hoodie So this hoodie is none other than Link's tunic and arm wrap slash bandoliers embroidered on this hoodie. And you can get you can get not only the hoodie, but you can also get a T-shirt version. So if you're like, "Eh, I'm not a hoodie person, you can get a T-shirt here, too. So it comes in a multitude of sizes. And the price isn't too bad either. It's forty eight ninety nine. And in addition to having a, and it's a very Twilight Twilight Princess themed hoodie. In addition to that one, however, you can also go get the Breath of the Wild hoodie. That, Ooh, now that one's pretty. Mm-hmm, that very, very light blue color. So you can get that and for the same price, $48.99. And you can also get it in a long sleeve t-shirt or zip up hoodie. Now do the prices differ on those? For t-shirts? Uh, yes. So if you're getting for a hoodie, it's $48.99. If you're going for a long sleeve, it's $38.99. T-shirts are $29.95. And zip-up hoodies are $57.99. Hmm. Okay. So you get a little bit of price variation there. But I will say I'm probably going to order the long sleeve Breath of the Wild shirt because that thing's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I kind of want the t-shirt. Mm-hmm. So yeah. That website, again, is gearhumans.com, and we will have the link in the show notes for you. So, with all that being said... I mean, I'm just saying, Link is really busy being in our show notes all the time. I know! (laughs) See what I did there, Link Joe. (laughs) So, real quick, before we get to the end of the show, I just want to say, if any of our fans out there has really cool Legend of Zelda merch, I'd love to see it. Oh, yeah. Post it on Discord or in the Twitter because I'd really love to see your merch. We we have a few other shows that we do. Um, we don't like to advertise them here because we like to try to keep this podcast as PG as we can uh, because we want to be able to reach out to all the Legends of Zelda fans. But we do have another show where people are constantly posting their personal merch for a certain yeah, series. That video game. That video game, yeah. Yes, and I love seeing it. <laughs> I promise I'm not trying to be a creep. <laughs> I just really like seeing it. I enjoy seeing your own collections of things. And Oh, yeah. So with all that being said, I think it's time to jump to the end of the episode. 
So here we are at the end of the show. We're going to wrap it up. So we're going to go through these items pretty quickly because they're pretty basic or we've already talked about them before. So the shields are what we're going to start with first. The first shield you get access to is the wooden shield in the game. Now, the wooded shield has two upgraded versions, which is the banded shield and the braced shield. Each one of these versions just allows you to take a little bit more damage. And the reason there are so many shield, different versions of shields in this game is because they're utilized in different ways in different environments. So with your wooden shield, obviously, it's going to be really vulnerable to fire and it's going to be weaker in the damage department. So it's only going to be able to take so much damage before it breaks. From there, we move on to our iron shield which has two upgraded versions as well. You have the Iron Shield, the Reinforced Shield, and the Fortified Shield. Now, this one's better to be utilized when you're fighting fire opponents, but not great when you're using it against electric opponents. Because it's metal, it'll conduct electricity. It takes quite a bit more damage than the Wooden Shield does in its final form, and but it still has that potential to break. Next, we move on to our Sacred Shield. Now, this one's a little weird. So it also has two upgraded versions. It has Sacred Shield, Divine Shield, and the Goddess Shield. Its final form, the Goddess Shield, can take quite a bit of damage, but still breaks easier than the Iron Shield, but offers a well more rounded defense. So it's not as affected by fire or lightning or even some, you know, iceborne attacks. It's it's pretty much a good, a really good all-around shield. Minus that it can't take a whole lot of damage. The final shield we have in this is, of course, the iconic Hyrulean shield. Now, this is the best shield that you can get in the game and can be acquired after doing the boss rush mode uh, once you get access to all the dragons. And it's, it's pretty difficult. I will say it took me quite a while to get access to it because you have to go through all these bosses. It's quite a difficult, daunting task. Uh, but once you get it, it's well worth it because it offers the best defense. It offers the best uh, breakability because it just doesn't break. And it's just all around the best shield to have in the game. So there are our shields. And I will say for lure context, the goddess shield has the goddess Helios statue at the very top of it signifying that this is that is why it can take all the damage that it does from different sources because it is a goddess blessed shield versus the other shields which are just basic shields that anybody can carry so the final item that I'm going to talk about today is none other than the training blade and the goddess sword so the training blade is the or the practice blade is the first sword you get access to in the Skyward Sword game. And it's that it's it is what it is. It's the sword you get from the Knights Academy instructor to train to figure out how to use your Wiimote. <laughs> Moving on from that, though, we have the goddess sword. Now, the goddess sword goes through some phases. Uh, its first phase, it becomes a little bit longer and can deal a little bit more damage. This third phase, it becomes quite a bit longer and deals quite a bit more damage. The fourth phase is the Master Sword phase, where it starts to take on that very similar form and shape that we all know and love. And the last phase of it is the true Master Sword. And the difference between these two blades is the first form of the Master Sword, the wings at the very bottom of the sword are closed and very close to the blade. Whereas in the final true master sword phase, the wings have opened up and it has been given more of a shinier appearance. The second notable appearance difference is in the master sword phase on the blade itself, it is just a basic blade, but in the true form, it has the Triforce etched into the bottom of the blade. And again, has that very sheen, shiny appearance to it. So that's pretty much it. And I'm not going to go super in depth into the Master Sword because we already covered it kind of in the last episode. And it's going to be talked about quite a bit in the series. 
So that's it for me. Ariel, what do you got for us? Oh, I finally get to go. (laughs) I'm sorry. I had a lot of items. It's okay. I'm just teasing. So I have the small, medium, and large seed satchel. Ooh. And not really exciting. They just progressively hold more uh, the bigger you get. Yeah, they're not they're not really that exciting. <laughs> then you have the bomb bag, the medium bomb bag, and the large bomb bag, which same. It just holds more the mm-hmm. bigger you get. And next I have the small quiver, medium quiver, and large quiver. Which like same I rules. said, same rules. <laughs> So I do want to throw an interesting fact out ahead of time because I thought it was the coolest fact ever. The bomb bags are made out of Dodongo skins. So next I'm going to get into the medallions. So the first one is the bug metal. And it reveals the locations of bugs on the map. That one was really helpful. When you wanted to catch them all, like Pokemon. (laughs) Next, you have the Cursed Metal. And this one makes rupees and treasures appear more frequently, disabling the use of the Adventure Pouch. Oh. See, I never actually got that one. Well, you should (laughs) have. Agreed. Next is the Heart Metal. And... It's used to make hearts appear more frequently and make heart flowers bloom. No, I did use that one a lot towards the end game. The life medal adds one heart to your life gauge. I also use this one a lot. (laughs) If you can't tell, I get hit a lot. Now we have the rupee medal. And that just makes rupees appear more frequently. Because who doesn't like money? <laughs> then we have the treasure medal. And that makes treasures appear more frequently. See, I don't... I like the fact that they had a medal for each. So they had the rupees, they had the treasures, and then they had the one that was for rupees and treasures. And it had that... It had that little downside to that one, though, where, you know, like you said earlier, it shuts off your adventure bag. It kind of hurts you a little bit, but it also rewards you quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So the last one I have is the potion medal, and it extends the duration of potions. That one was also helpful, especially when you were going to fight, you know, bosses and things. It was substantially helpful. So those are all the medals I have. Now, I'm just going to mention other items, and I'm not going to really explain them or go deep into them. Just thought it was worth a mention of other items you can acquire. Mm -hmm. So, I have the empty bottle, the fairy in a bottle. Ooh. I have the heart potion, the heart potion plus, and the heart potion plus plus. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Then the Stamina Potion and Stamina Potion Plus, Air Potion, Air Potion Plus, Revitalizing Potion, Revitalizing Potion Plus, and Revitalizing Potion Plus Plus. You have the Guardian Potion, the Guardian Potion Plus, Water, Sacred Water, Mushroom Spores, Glittering Spores. So I'm going to stop you with those. The glittering spores can actually be used on items that are dropped to increase either their value or their abilities, which was cool. I didn't find that out till end game, and I was so mad. Hmm. Then, of course, my favorite: the hot pumpkin soup and the cold pumpkin soup because <laughs> I love food. So, then we have the golden skull. So those are all the upgrade items that you can utilize to upgrade your items from, you know, like your wooden shield to the banded shield. This is how you'll use those as upgraded items. Okay, and there's a bunch of bugs on here that 
I'm not going to talk about because we don't really need to. But some of them are kind of pretty. <laughs> so, on to some wallets here, because who doesn't like wallets? Ooh. We got small wallet, medium wallet, big wallet, and extra wallet. <laughs> the wallets are kind of a staple throughout the series now. Yeah, they really, they really took off in Ocarina of Time because they allowed you to carry a substantial income. So we're going to talk more about those items later on, and we're definitely not skipping over potions and things. We're going to talk about them, but because there's such a plethora of these items in the series, I feel like they deserve their own little spinoff, you know, kind of episode discussion especially since the potions are made from different things in different games. I think it, I think it wise to talk about them in their own episode. Yeah. And I actually, I have two more wallets to add to that. Oh, really? Yeah. I kind of got cut off before I could finish. Sorry. So I have the giant wallet and the tycoon wallet. Oh yeah. I forgot about those two. I don't like the tycoon wallet. It's got a face on it. <laughs> no. No, thank you. Yeah, the tycoon wallet is uh, it's pretty terrifying. So, really, that's all that I have. Now, I know that there's items that we didn't discuss in this episode that are either specific to Skyward Sword or <sighs> they're big in the series and they're mentioned quite a bit. And there's a reason behind that. The reason is each one of those items that we didn't quite discuss in depth is one of those items that appears either frequently in the series, like I said before, or just isn't a major item to talk about. You know, I like the insects, you know, the insects are frequently visited in multiple, multiple games. There's not really any reason to focus on them other than the mini games they offer, you know, so if you complete the mini game for this one, find Beetle's special bug, you know, he'll give you a quest reward, you know, minor things like that. Now, when we get to Twilight Princess, we're definitely going to be talking about the bug quest because it has a major, major benefit when we complete it. But that's all we got for items for this episode. There's a plethora of them to talk about. Yeah, you can get a lot of stuff in this game. <laughs> so... Now we're at the end of the episode. I think it's time for us to give our reviews of the game. What do you think, Ariel? I think I'm going to give this a five fives out of five. <laughs> because I'm a huge, huge storyline fan. Mm -hmm. You know, when I play video games, I want that storyline. And the storyline was there from start to finish. It was an amazing story mm -hmm. and an amazing game, realistically. It really was. I, I enjoyed this game storyline because it explained a lot and it gave a lot more depth to the LOZ lore. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to give this the same rating as you. And I'm going to have to give it... Wait, we got two different ratings here. We got If it's the Wii version, I'm going to have to give it four out of five Beatles because Beatles my guy <laughs> um, and the reason behind that is, is because the Wiimote made though it was a great idea I feel like in practicality for this game it made it extremely difficult to enjoy and play because the Wiimote controls were very frustrating for this game however since it's been updated and brought into the future with the Switch, I would have to give it a 5 out of 5 because those controls, though sometimes can still be frustrating, make it a, I say, a balanced challenge for me. I appreciate that the controls can be somewhat frustrating, especially for a game that's all about puzzles. Yep. <laughs> So, like I said, I'd have to give it that five out of five for the Switch because at this point now I can change my mind. Do I want to use motion controls or do I want to just play the game? Change my mind. <laughs> so those are our ratings. Either way, even though it didn't get a full five stars on the Wii, 
I definitely recommend experiencing it through the motion controls because it was quite the experience to be able to fling the Wiimote over my head and come down with this crashing blade strike. See, I enjoyed the Wii and the Wiimotes because to me, you know, back when the Wii came out, it made games more immersive. It did. And I actually liked that aspect of it. Yeah, and like I said, it's... I still enjoyed it to a degree. That's why I gave it a 4 out of 5 on the Wii because it was still a great game. It's still a great game and it's still worth picking up and playing on the Wii. It's just for me personally, those Wiimote controls, when times got down to it, when you're trying to walk across the you know the tight ropes and the ropes and things and you had to balance the Wiimote, it was very frustrating. And 9 times out of 10, I would always fall off because of that frustration. Or when I was trying to pilot the beetle through the air using the Wiimote, it was very frustrating to have to kind of try to maneuver it. And it, all around, the Wiimote controls for anything other than combat were very frustrating. Combat, though, made it quite enjoyable because I could just hack and slash. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, it's still worth playing on whatever console you have or at least, you know, giving it a try with the switch motion controls but that's all we have for today so next episode we're going to start doing some deep lure dives in the Minish Cap series and I'm ready for this Minish Cap was one of my favorites so until next time thank you all for listening tune in next week bye Thank you all for listening to the Legend of Zelda Lorecast tonight. We hope you enjoyed yourselves. If you did, tell a friend, leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. You can chat with us all things Legend of Zelda on the Robots Radio Discord. Or you can get hold of us on our Twitter, at LOZLorecast. Intro and outro are done by Bentonal Landscape. Links are in the show notes below. Till next time, dear listener, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this. <laughs>